to Bickering Peaks with your hosts, Aiden and Lindsay. Well, here we are again for another episode of Bickering Peaks. This again, time, again, 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 again for Bickering Peaks. Another episode. Yes. Of Twin Peaks. This is season two, episode three. This is such a terrible intro. Whatever. We'll just roll with it. Okay, <laughs> season two. We're sticking two. with this yes, one take Yes, we're sticking thing. this one take. That's right. One take Bartlett. That's what old Jack Warner used to call you. That's right. All right, so this is season two, episode three. What's the title of the episode? The Man Behind the Glass. And now I've got that Michael Jackson song. The Man Behind... No, The Man Man in the the Mirror. mirror. I don't know why, but it's... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll accept it. Um, Okay. It was written by Robert Angles and directed by Leslie Linkaglatter. Oh. Oh, really? Yes. You didn't notice that? I did in some respects. um, No, I mean, you didn't read it literally. No, I literally did. I didn't notice that. Um, I was already taking notes because uh, the first scene is kind of interesting, um, and I was just taking notes while the credits were going. But right. um, no, okay, so it was directed by her. That's yep. good. Yeah, I uh, like her. I like I her. I do, I do too. But this episode, we both agreed is not the best. Well, it was the first one that we both looked at each other at the end and went, "Huh." Yeah, it's not so. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll but get anyway. into why, but yeah, uh, what are the other details? Uh, it was aired on October thirteenth, nineteen ninety, and. It comprises the day of February, nope, nope March, March 5th, March. 1989. That's the one. That's the one. So, uh, yeah, and uh, it's not the most interesting episode, you're right. It's, uh, it's... There's, there's, yeah, it, it lacks a certain something that we've... A je ne sais quoi. Yeah, it is a je ne sais quoi of, of Twin Peaks, and it's, it's kind of... Well, but I, I've picked out a few points that I okay. think are weaker, so we can talk okay. about them. But let's start with the log lady. Sure. Uh, we don't have the lo- up in front of us, but it's a fairly brief one. She talks about how... Uh, uh, letters, letters and are, symbols comprise uh, language. Yeah, words language and language comprises yeah. communication. And misunderstandings do happen, even yes. when you have smart people talking to each other. Yes. Um, so sometimes we write things down. Yes. And, of course, this is all leading to the big reveal at the end of the episode, really, is kind of the central point of this. Um, and there's not really... Many instances of communication in the rest of the episode. I'm trying to think through things. Well, I mean, in some cases, there's there's a lot of misunderstandings between in the love triangle, right? Which is uh, one of the key ones as well. Uh, uh, Philip Gerard, you know, without chemicals, he points is yep. kind of a, a key point in this one. I guess maybe there is a there's a, a bit well, of communication. Well, I mean, you've throughout. got Shelley coming in for her interrogation yeah, or her interview and yeah. yeah refusing to communicate and then not understanding why she's being ushered out of the office yeah. which is you know yeah. some miscommunication there yep. um yeah so i mean there's there are yeah, okay. instances well, of communication yeah even the first on. one Renette is still unable to communicate yes yeah that's my very first note so okay uh completely disregard my earlier statements and there's you a lot disregard of most of Aiden's statements yeah that's true but. so uh you can just mute me for when i'm talking and listen to Lindsay. Uh, so let's jump in. Oh, they know how to do that. Oh, yeah. That, it doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. No. But anyways, we're going to continue. Yeah. So, yeah, the first scene, uh, the Calhoun Memorial Hospital, Ronette is completely freaking out. And she's thrashing about on the bed. Uh, Sheriff Truman says that she's pulled out her IV. Um, doctors and nurses, it's one continuous shot, which is really well, a cool a shot. Well, it's a spinning shot. It's, yeah. It's, it is a cool shot, mm-hmm. yeah. So it focuses on Ronette and the doctors and the nurses trying to rush to help her and then Sheriff Truman is standing by the bed and, and it pans, pans back the and whole room you and get some people walking by in the hallway and then you get uh, Agent Cooper, Cooper and Agent Rosenfield coming in 
and Rosenfield grabs the IV and says, "Oh, it looks like dye." Yeah, because the the liquid in the bag is blue. Yeah, and Cooper immediately goes for her hand and notices that there's a letter under her finger now. Yeah. At this point, so she's whoever Bob, whoever has has committed this crime and has put the letters underneath the fingernails of the other victims, Laura and Teresa Panks. Has returned. Has returned. Obviously, to, yeah, to put here. this letter, and it's the letter B. It is the red letter is B. Is what they and find it's, under and her it's, nail. It's kind of odd though, because I didn't know. I thought I'd completely written this scene out of my memory because it's except for the way it's shot, it's not that memorable. It's very quick. It's very hasty. Well, it's first thing in the episode. Yeah, so maybe you're not even paying yeah, attention at this well, point. Well, a little bit, and it's kind of odd because why doesn't Bob come back and kill her? Like he yeah. has a witness there. You think a murderer would, you know, if he has access to enough time to change her IV and shove a letter into her finger all without being noticed, and apparently she was under 24-hour right. surveillance, you can do all this. Why not just kill her? I, yeah. I, it just didn't make much sense to me when I was watching this. I'm like, well, that doesn't seem like very But there would, be, there would be no mystery at that point. She's, she's... Well, no. I mean, what if if she was dead all of a sudden? That would just deepen the mystery because your one key witness is actually yeah, just I died, guess that's you know? True, but... So I don't know. But they they needed the conceit of the the letters, I think, to continue, and that comes well, up later on. And yeah, but you can find it when she's dead too. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. You're right. I don't know. It was just odd. Like, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm it. I am not an apologist for this scene. I'm just nope. playing devil's advocate here. No. I have no no dog in this race. Yeah. I'm <laughs> against dog racing. That's yes, why I have I, no dog in this race. That's that's <laughs> quite fine. But anyway. Yeah. It's it's yeah it's a strange scene, but it it does serve. A purpose, in yeah. a sense, in that Cooper uh, breaks up, breaks down, and tells Harry and Albert about his dream that he had when he was shot about the giant. Yeah. Well, and, the uh, the twice that the giant had visited right, him. Right. Yeah. Yes. So he explains the the clues the that he clues, was given, yeah. and explains obviously that this was a giant who came to visit him. And there's a cute little quip between <laughs> Harry and Albert yeah. have this little moment where they look at each other and they're like, "Can you believe this shit? I can't believe this shit." And then. <laughs> They, uh, you know, Albert asking. Any relation to the dwarf? Yeah, which is, it's kind of cute. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, it's just another way to get that. Kind of that, ball rolling. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. remind you that this is where the investigation is getting its leads from. Mm-hmm. For the most part, is from Cooper's visions. Yeah, yeah. Um, we jump to Harold's house. Yes. And we get Donna coming for a return visit. Yes. To see Harold After Smith. he'd called her the night before. Yes, correct. So yeah. uh, this is obviously what they talked about on the phone. She comes to visit and... Um, and they have, Yeah. So initial impressions of Harold Smith. I think he's a sweet guy. I don't think... I th- it's weird. He's he's obviously... like He admits that he's an agoraphobic. Mm-hmm. Um, but he used to be a horticulturalist. So, you know, he used to be totally typically functioning, able to exist in society, yeah. and something must have happened to trigger his agoraphobia that now he cannot even go outside. He grows orchids in his house, so his place is very warm. And the first thing he says when Donna mentions yeah, that is, don't, like, be, don't afraid. be afraid. So there are instances where you think he's a little odd, but I, I don't feel like he's threatening. I See, I got the sense that he was a little threatening. Just Really? In, yeah, he's just very confrontational. Like, he asked her, like, well, I I don't what well, I don't remember what he says, but he's he asks her like, is there any judgment you'd like to pass right. on that? And it's a very confrontational tone that he he kind of takes with her. I mean, he he does have this agreeable kind of appearance to him, and mm-hmm. he is kind of he's not threatening because he's not like a big guy or anything. He's well, kind of at the he other wears end of the suspenders, couch. so he can't, yeah, he can't be, be that bad, threatening right? for sure. Um, but at the same time, he's kind of like a little pushy bastard. Like he's he's very like well. 
but I mean, I think that's that might be part of his disability. He's uh, maybe put up a wall yep. to prevent people from from hurting him, or he he knows what to expect from people when they don't agree or when they don't understand him. So maybe that's part of it. Um, well, yeah, even I guess he he's admits, kind of getting ahead of it. Yeah, yeah. But even though he admits that he knows um, he knows a lot about Donna because Laura's expressed yeah, a lot Laura's about Yeah, Laura's shared her. a lot, yeah. And he says that you were exactly like I imagined you would be and everything. So um, you'd think that he would have a little bit more faith that she wouldn't, you know, yeah. be completely horrible to him. Yeah. If I mean, that's the case. Yeah, but, exactly. So he could be just plain old threatening too. But I yeah. never I never really got that impression. I just got the feeling he was just an odd duck. Except for he, he falls for Donna instantly, too. Like, he's commenting on yeah. her appearance and stuff, and it's just... Yeah. Well, how many pretty girls do you think come to his house? I guess, but still, it's just it's just a little odd. I don't know. I mean, yeah, he, he's supposed to be a, he's supposed to be an odd kind of character, yeah. right? You're supposed to well, be and, that and, way. and you find out the reason he called her was not for any nefarious purpose, but he just wanted to leave an orchid on her grave, and obviously he can't do that himself, so mm-hmm. he calls Donna to, um, to take this orchid, this... Lady Slipper, I think it's called. Is that what it, I couldn't make it out. Yeah, okay. a hybrid yep. orchid yeah. um, that he wanted to, to leave on Laura's grave. So he gives it to, to, to Donna. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that Donna finds out, because she's ever the sleuth, um, she discovers there's a piece of paper that's stuck under under Harold's bookcase in what... It looks like it's a secret compartment yeah. or something, and this piece of paper is sticking out from inside this compartment. And Harold interrupts her before, knowingly interrupts her. He yeah. sees that she's going for this and, and comes out and pretends that he that's hasn't kind of seen her, but A recurring motif her. for Harold is like he's in his little greenhouse and then he, he looks through the window and something bad is happening. Yeah. And it's it's kind of a little conceit they use with him constantly. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's not, I, Harold as a character never really interested me. Yeah. And it didn't really make much sense why Laura would confide. Well, no, it made sense why Laura would confide in him, but it didn't make sense why he would hold back material information about her potential murder? Like, I never well, really got... yeah, I mean, some of that is explained in the show, and more of it ex- is explained in Firewalk with oh, me as well. Oh, that's right. But, He's in there too, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. um, it's an odd friendship that he struck up with Laura. Yeah. And I think, I think it's more odd that Donna is so, you know, yes. into him from the beginning. Yeah. Just because... And you could explain that away as, you know, Donna's being, you know, not possessed, but... She's being taken over a little bit by Laura's personality. Yeah, with the glasses. Since she's and everything, worn the glasses, yeah. and since she, since the start of the season, anyway, she's changed. Her personality has changed. So yeah. So I, I mean, this episode I think really pushes the idea that it's, uh, it's the love triangle between her, Maddie, and James that's really kind of pushing her towards Harold, which is kind of a weak thing. It's one of the things that I really didn't like about this oh, episode yeah. is leaning on that love triangle so heavily when it's really not an interesting or believable one. Um, but anyways. Uh, yeah. We can get to that. So, yeah, the two of them are there. They chat. Um, the love theme is even playing oh, yeah. while he's there. I mean, it's just, I don't know. Keep it in your pants, Harold. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's just so quick. I just, I don't buy it, but, you know, whatever. Um, we it, go come, it comes up. More interesting things happen, and you realize the reason why he was included by the end of the episode. Oh, yeah, it for is, sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, he plays an important role for he sure does. in the series. It's just I don't like this introduction to him. Okay. Um, I kind of wish that David Lynch had directed mm. their their meeting. Ooh, that would have been cool. Because that would have been interesting, because I think David Lynch could have set a tone for his character that is really kind of lacking. Well, yeah, that's the thing that, that maybe I, I didn't like, is that the characters that are introduced fully that we see on screen in this episode 
this being an episode not written by Mark Frost or David Lynch, so um, and not directed by not David directed Lynch, by yeah. either of them. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of flat. Yeah. a little bit. Yeah, they lack a certain something. But I mean, yeah, we can get into more of them. But yeah. Harold for sure is fits that role for me. He's, he's not an interesting kind of introduction, even though he could play a really cool role. And the idea of a recluse, a recluse, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, could be an interesting character. I he he doesn't do it for me. So, anyways. We'll move on. We'll move on. Because we'll come back to Harold later. Yes. Uh, so We jump to the sheriff's station. Yes. And Cooper is... Oh, I just... The first thing you see is it, Cooper's talking and, and Sheriff Truman is fiddling with the bottom caster on the the uh, chalkboard. Oh, is he? Yeah. I don't know I what that, that was about. I, I just thought it was interesting that the, that the camera lingered on him for so long. As huh. he's, it looks like he's tightening a bolt or something. And I was trying to think. I'm like, what was... Why would that have had to happen? Like, yeah. why is he playing with that? It was just it was just an interesting thing. And I thought it could just be that this was... I doubt it because I, I tend to respect Leslie Link Gladder as a director. I don't think that she would just throw something in to be weirdly Weird, yeah. Lynchian yeah. without yeah. reason. Using it, yeah. But yeah. I couldn't figure out a reason why he would have to be fixing the, the wheel on yeah, the that's chalkboard. Odd. But anyway. Okay. Um, Cooper's drawing on the, the chalkboard. He's got a little circle. Yeah, he's got uh, Maddie and Mrs. Palmer and himself and Ronette on yeah. this board. And he's drawn uh, like a series of arrows connecting yeah. them all via what he calls a psychic link. Because yeah. Mrs. Palmer has called the station and explained that Maddie has had two visions of Bob. Mm-hmm. Um, Mrs. Palmer herself has had visions of Bob. Cooper has had visions of Bob in his dream that he had a few nights earlier, or the night before anyway. Mm-hmm. And Ronette has seen him in the flesh. So yeah. he explains that four people have seen him, four people know who he is or or have encountered him. Um and that's where they're that's where they leave it because Albert comes in and it, or Albert is well, saying. Well he also the has the, the letters R B T and he right. thinks that that's gonna be the something is gonna be connected yes, through that. Yeah, yeah. There's gonna spell some sort of word. Right. Um and Albert is sitting there with his feet up on the desk. <laughs> Just yeah. very typically Albert. Yeah. And he launches into all of the findings that he has, which I find I'm I'm not tired of his role as this person who yeah. just comes in and has all this forensic information. That is his job. He is a forensic investigator. But it seems like that's all anybody ever gives him to do. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, in terms of the, you never see him working. So and he's always just receiving the information. And that then someone spits else something else with more information. Right. right? Which and, I, I, But whatever, I mean, he's so fun to watch. Who yeah. cares? Like, yeah. So what are some of the things that he's, that he's found out? Oh, I don't write down any of that. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> honestly, <Fine> then. <laughs> nothing. Well, nothing really important came out of it. Really. Well, no, he he he. Yeah, tells he was, them about the cocaine. The cocaine yeah. that they found in James's gas was tank James gas. was uh, the same, the as, same as yeah. So they they I guess that they means that James it. is no longer. Yeah, he. They know he was not the whole like the distributor yeah. of the cocaine. Um. They found out the he. Uh, he was shot by... Well, Agent just wait. The, okay. the boots yep. that they found at Leo's place were uh, brand new, had never been used. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that's important. I don't know why that's important I don't think either. that ever comes back either. But they are Leo's new shoes. They are Leo's wanted, new, so. shoes. Um, new shoes. The letter under Ronette's finger was matched to a copy of Flesh, Flesh World. World. Yeah. And then, yes, the, the gun that was used to shoot... Shoot Cooper was a Walter PPK, which is the James Bond gun. Yes. Which is great. Um, and then he basically, the, but that, I mean, this is all fine, whatever. It's an information dump. The best part of this scene is Albert and Truman. Mm-hmm. They have finally a, having yeah, a, um, finally having the confrontation. Yeah. They, they settle it like men using words. It's great. Um, and this is like 
I, I mentioned this in the last episode when um, we were talking with Harvey as well as second season really starts transforming some characters and Alberts is probably the most powerful transformation in this scene is where it happens about knuckles for the last time i knocked you down i felt bad about it the next time is going to be a real pleasure you listen to me while i will admit to a certain cynicism the fact is that i'm a naysayer and hatchet man in the fight against violence i pride myself in taking a punch and i'll gladly take another because i choose to live my life in the company of gandhi and king my concerns are global I reject absolutely revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. I love you, Sheriff Truman. Albert's path is a strange and difficult one. And it's really hard to square that circle because, and I'm sure I've used that phrase wrong many times, but I'm going to use it here again, uh, because he's such a jerk. Like, how is that an expression of love when he's just mean to absolutely everybody he meets? Well, but I think, and what other people have brought up, this is not my original idea, but Mm. he's, he's a truth teller. And I think to tell the truth and to be truthful with someone is an expression of love, even if the truth hurts. Okay, but Truman isn't really that stupid. So why does he make fun of him no. for being stupid okay, so much? Okay, so that's like, not so much coming from a place of love, yeah. but it's it's true to himself, maybe. Yeah, he really does view everybody in Twin Peaks as stupid. It's, yeah, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It, like, yeah, you can, uh, yeah, okay. I mean, I'll, I'll buy the, the telling a truth thing, but it's still. Uh, Are you only going to pay five cents for it? That was my saying from a few episodes ago. Yeah, you made I fun remember. Of me for that. Yeah, I'm making fun of you in my head for it right now too, uh-huh. but. Yeah, That's sure. Sad. I will pay five cents for that truth. <laughs> that is just fine. Like, and well, and it's kind of funny because uh, Cooper even says like Albert's path is a strange and difficult one. Yeah. And I, I wrote down my note is like he must be having a hard time being that big of a jerk with that particular set of beliefs. Like, yeah. If he really does love that much, but he's that big of a jerk intrinsically, yeah. That is a hard path to travel yep. like yeah that's true so that's true maybe cooper's onto something there it does explain a little bit if you're walking around with that level of cognitive dissonance in your head all day long i would be like albert <laughs> yeah probably but it, it really does make me love albert more oh yeah no and this is the start of yeah. like yeah you, you you've reclaimed albert's character he's now just a, a heartwarming guy and i love every time he sees truman from here on out they're, yeah they're best friends and, and yeah yeah they're just like yeah we best can, buddies we can get along on this this level so so yeah. anyway, they uh, this this part really bothers me because they've just discovered the cocaine isn't related yeah. to James, and then they walk out into the lobby, and Cooper and James yeah. have their little moment. Like Cooper, oh, yeah. it, it did so. Did Hawk bring him up from the cell, I and guess. like all in thirty seconds? seconds it was just like, cool oh, writing. I don't want to see you again around here, James. If you need someone to talk to, talk to me. And it's just, it was one of those, like, let's just put a bow on it. Yeah. And now that we'll whole, that like, Bobby line. trying to frame James is done. Yeah. Where was Bobby Bobby in this wasn't episode? in this episode. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, him, well, I guess he was, yeah, he was off on the sidelines trying to get Shelly to take the insurance money. Yeah, which I know, but still. One. Yeah, he doesn't appear at all. I just realized that. Lots of characters actually aren't in That's this true. one, so, yeah. Uh, but we do get a new character who comes in to yes. replace Bobby. No, I'm just kidding. No. He's not a replacement for Bobby. Although his name is Dick. Yeah. So we get Dick, Dick Tremaine. Tremaine. Menswear, Horns Department Store. I love that introduction. I love his smile. Okay, when he walks in and he yeah. gives that 1,000-watt that smile, I'm yep. just like, yeah, 
he's he, it's all there. Like his whole character is it's there. Just it's just in that smile. Yeah, it's, it's so smarmy. Smarmy, and... but like. Yeah, he's trying so hard well, to be charming and, he, and debonair. He's, and... He is dressed like he works in designer men's fashions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's, but a he, he's a dandy. He's a dandy, and he dandy. would be what you would in in most places in America, even in 1990, you would codify him as gay. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. But the the writing of the character would be yeah. Yeah, but in in small town Twin Peaks, he's just designer menswear. Yeah. You know, Dick Tremaine. Yeah. And it's never it's never a question. And he's he's on he's there for a date with Lucy. Yeah. So um, and they have a great little back and forth. Well, it's yeah. kind of him, Hawk, and Lucy. Yes, because, because okay, so yeah. Lucy's sitting at her desk and she's playing with the Scrabble tiles, and she's coming up with with words from the dictionary that all have, have R B T in them. Yeah. This is Cooper's assignment for her. Yeah. And uh, as Dick comes over to talk to her, Hawk instantly reads Dick. Yeah. As. Uh, what are the words that he uses? One's robot. One's robot. I don't remember what the first one Prohibited was. because he's smoking. Yeah, he's smoking. He's trying in to the, smoke and he... Yeah, in the office. Yeah, side. so, I mean, it's it's a funny little scene. Another instance of words and letters and symbols being used is communication. Yeah. Um, but in a, in a way that I don't think Lucy even maybe gets. Yeah, that, it's really... Uh, you know, they're not picking it up. No. That that Hawk is insulting. Insulting it, yeah. But anyway, Dick is not... Uh, He's likable, but he's not likable. I don't know. We, yeah, we talked about yeah. this just recently, Aiden. What do you what do you think about yeah, Dick, Dick is, Tremaine? He's I don't know. He he's not an unlikable person in the fact that I mean he doesn't treat Lucy great as you go through the series. But at the same time he is trying. Um and you get that sense that he, he really does care about Lucy. Um and he's it's not like he's a terrible person. He doesn't try and hurt anybody. He's just smarmy and he's out of place in, in yeah. Twin Peaks. He's not... And I guess this is one of the the instances that makes me feel uh, this episode is not great, is the fact that he's the first character introduction. I mean, Harold, Harold furthers the plot of Laura. Dick is one of the first ones that has nothing to do with Laura. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing at all. Didn't have any connection to it. Literally, his only connection is to Lucy and then later on to Andy. Mm-hmm. Um... And he's just not that interesting. Like, he, he's he's a, he has a character. His character is very well defined. He is that smarmy, uh, uptight, kind of uh, faux aristocratic kind of character. Um, but he has no real purpose. He's just kind of there to be humorous and different and to be that kind of uh, humiliated character. Um, but that's kind of the extent of it. But I also feel like this is the first... Um, character who's introduced who is not just not related to Laura but not he doesn't even feel like he's related to Twin Peaks like this yeah. is one of those goofy just for the sake of being goofy characters mm-hmm. whereas you know Lucy has a depth to her and Andy has an, a depth to him as well they they fit into the milieu that we have here mm-hmm. I don't Plus get the sense they work for the sheriff's well, yeah, department yeah exactly you know? right like, yeah. so it's okay but but Dick just kind of shows up out of nowhere and he's He's a, like, purely campy character. That, yeah. And, yeah, like you said earlier, he doesn't fit no. with, with the town. And like, I feel like that's... I think it'd be great if, like, uh, after, like, maybe if Emery gets the axe and then maybe Dick takes over as the head of the, <laughs> the head of the perfume, perfume counter. And he, and becomes he, uh, the low-level the, pimp Yeah, he becomes the pimp. Like, that would be awesome. Hashtag like, Twin Peaks Season 3. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be great. So, But, yeah, I just, I it's, it's one of those things like I don't mind him but I also don't feel like he serves any real purpose in my mind 
No, and his his plot lines don't really proceed anywhere either. Aside from driving a wedge between Andy and Lucy. Yeah. Which is his only purpose. Yeah. Really. And it's kind of sad. It is. Because all the other characters have multiple purposes yeah. and, and interact well and stuff. And Well, and, and they they're, they have that depth that yeah. Dick Tremaine just doesn't have. So. He lacks it, so. Yeah. Um, so we stay there. Staying and, with the sheriff's department, yes. yeah. And uh, they're discussing the giant. And I love how obsessed Truman is with the giant. Like, he's like, so how tall was this guy? Did, did his head hit the ceiling? Almost. I believe that the ceilings in the Great Northern are at least 10 feet tall. At least. And then Leland arrives. Yes. So Leland, remember in the last episode, saw a picture of Bob in Ben Horn's office, and we didn't really do anything with it, although well, he, he could have been realized, the one yeah. that called the sheriff's station yeah, the day before, but yeah. now he's making an appearance in person to talk about this. So, yeah. And uh, what does he reveal? Uh, so he says that, uh, this he repeats what he said uh, to the horns that um, this man was at his uh, grandfather's cabin on Pearl Lakes, is what yes. it's called. Yeah. And uh, then he also says exactly which house he lived in, which is the white one, two over from uh, the Palmers, uh, and his name was Robertson. He also says he used to flick matches at me. He'd say. You want to play with fire, little boy? Um, and it's kind of an odd way to end the scene. This is one of those things where I'm surprised it's, uh, what's her name again? Leslie Linklater? Mm -hmm. Because this is kind of an, it's almost like a cliche way to end the scene. It's like, it's like a very cop one-liner. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Cooper picks up the match that Leland threw, and he's like, that's our man, and blows out the match. Right. And it's like... Like that's that's a Law and Order line. Like yeah, okay, well that she didn't write it. She didn't write Robert it, but Engels I mean, it, but. yeah, but still, it's just not. It is. It's it's, it's lacking. Yeah, Law and Order, Hill Street Blues. Yeah, yeah, maybe not Law and Order, but yeah, one of those like buddy cop kind of Hawaii Five O types, right, you right. know, or CSI. That's our man. Yeah. Yes, David C Caruso with the glasses. Uh, that's our man. Blows it up. <laughs> glasses on. That'd be great. So. And then a Who song. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway, yeah. But yeah instead, we go to. Uh, we go back to Dick and Lucy. Dick and Lucy at the double R for yeah, their date. Their dates. They're, yeah. they're going Dutch on. Yeah, he just announced that. Yeah. Like that's the thing. He he has some interesting character quirks. He's like, we'll go Dutch, as if he's like. That's a great thing. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's like because he says in a cheerful tone, it's it's great for yeah. both of them. But obviously, mm -hmm. Lucy's more than a little perturbed by it. Um, and he does it again here. He asks for her uh, her her opinion on whether it makes him look stupid or something. Do you find it odd that I don't switch my fork when I eat? that I lift it to my mouth with my left hand. My mother calls it piling. But then he just comes in and says, actually, it's not weird at all. Like, he just totally disregards. Yeah. He asks the questions just so that she could hear him Pontificate say what he on, yeah. on it being the European the way. The European way. And then he gives that smile He shovels again. a green bean into his mouth and smiles. And yeah. it's like, it's... He's just so... Yeah. He's just smarmy. Yeah. And that's the only word that I can think that's of. That's the thing. It's it's so overwhelming of a character trait. I mean, Andy's overwhelming character trait might be simplicity. But there's still a heart underneath there. Yeah. And Dick, you never really get that yeah. sense. Yeah, and I don't understand what Lucy's attracted to. Because they, they she says that they had dates mm -hmm. regularly for three months. Yeah. He promised to take her to the Space Needle for dinner and yeah. ended up only taking her to some pancake house or yeah. something. And, and then they uh, did it in the department yeah, store. Yeah, after drinking a couple bottles of wine, yeah. they ended up on a display bed at Horn's department store, which she announces loudly to the entire double R. 
and uh, and he's he's like, oh, you're upset. I'm like, duh. Duh, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you uh, a dress at my 20% employee Dis- discount. Like, that's his idea of magnam- magnanimity. Magnan- yeah, yeah. That was close enough. Being magnanimous. Yes, yes thank you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, is buying or something like that? No, but extent. he's not even gonna buy it. He's just gonna give yeah, it to her they, at the discount. She has to pay yeah. for it. And like then, that's then, his yeah. idea of what's great. And she, so then she has a great line about yeah. Well, we'll make it a maternity maternity dress. Dress, yeah. yeah. Because she's pregnant. Because <laughs> she's and, pregnant, and this is a huge blow to him. And well, yeah, he's kind of shocked and doesn't know what to do with it. And that's the end of the scene. Yeah. Too. And that's kind of the weird thing is you, there's a lot of scenes here where. Really, the key conflict doesn't happen, or the key right. kind of moment doesn't happen. There's another one with Jacoby later on that we'll get to. Would you say that that is an instance of miscommunication? I guess, but it's it's at the choice of the writer and the director. Okay, like, it's but that's not, fine. It's still links to the log yeah, lady. Yeah, I guess I'll buy that. But I mean, again, they wrote that after the episode aired, so they just figured out. Oh yeah, you know what? We <laughs> fucked up this episode a lot. Let's let's make it about miscommunication. But anyways, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Still it, at the double R, yeah, we get those... uh, Maddie and James having a little tete-a-tete Ugh. in their booth about how Don is acting strangely. Strange. And... and we're going to cut in here James's quote, because <laughs> it is the best quote of yeah. all time. It's What's his best quote? one. She acted like she wanted to do it with me through the bars. Oh, man. James. Yeah, it's just it's just an odd thing. Like, when I when I hear him say that, I think, are, are we in grade 7? Yeah. That, yeah, exactly. That that's what yeah. I used to say when I was in grade seven. Oh, they did, did it. it. Yeah. Right? But when you're 18. Oh, and James' second best quote. What's that one? One where he says, Sometimes I think I should just get on my bike and go. And we both said, Oh, oh yes, yes go. Just go. Just go. Just leave. But just please be gone with you. don't let the camera follow you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is unfortunately what happens in future yeah, episodes, but, but anyway. we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, so then Donna yeah. comes in. And she sees them holding hands and yeah, instantly goes into jealous girlfriend mode. Oh, Donna's just, she becomes such a waste of a character in this. It's really sad. And this episode is where it turns around. Because even in the previous one, it was bad. Um, but this one, everything she says is so focused on how yeah, how upset she, upset is, she about is about James. James and Maddie. No, it's just about James. Well, she's mad at Maddie, too. Yeah, okay, yeah, but it's about James. Yes. Like, she literally has sees nothing beyond James, who's not a... You know, they started dating a week and a half ago. Yeah. And they yeah, kissed exactly. a couple times. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. It's just... It, it's, it's not it just stretches like, Yeah, it's not just the, the soap opera nature of it. That's fine. The rest of the characters go through that too and it, it works. But um, here it's just... I don't know. I think it's just more... Uh, what's her name's performance? Just doesn't really carry it. And there's another scene later on when uh, she also just doesn't well, carry... Well, it's... it's melodrama it's it would fit in on a soap opera it, it would, would fit in on one life to live or general hospital you know this is the kind of performance that you would give it's not nuanced enough yeah there's and and i feel like it's just it's unbelievable and in, in another sense because it's there's so many bigger issues so mm-hmm. many more larger issues that you should be dealing with well, like your friend's murder yeah. yeah right and and that's been shuffled to the side all because um Maddie and James are now attracted to each other. Mm-hmm. It's like that has completely consumed you, which makes sense, I guess, when you're 17, 18 years old. Like that is the center of your whole life. But, but anyway, yeah, she so Donna gives her little her little speech about how she met someone through the Meals on Wheels, and she's nothing like James because yeah. he's smart and which yeah, I mean yeah, true but mean. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, and like 
what a way to say it. Yeah, like, unnecessary. Yeah. She's just being cruel now to be cruel, and and it's it is a little unnecessary, but yeah. But anyway. Anyways, yeah. We leave them and we go to One Eye Jacks, and, and uh, Audrey's getting shot full of. Is it heroin? It is heroin. It yeah. is heroin. So they're and they're it's... trying to junk her up just like uh, Ben did to Blackie. I think this is Blackie's idea of retribution is to make Ben Horn's daughter into a, a heroin addict. But I see the problem with that is Blackie was just all of a sudden turned into an yeah, addict. Yeah, I know. And, and Jerry just happened to be her dealer. I think it's not like they started her on the drugs and, and stuff. But anyways, that we know of. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so th- that's that's unresolved. But still, it, it, it did come out of nowhere that at the start of the season, Blackie is all yeah. of a sudden has this... Because up until this point, she was just a madam at this mm-hmm. brothel, and she seemed to be on good terms with the Horn Brothers, and she was, you know, cool, calm, and collected. Now all of a sudden, she's out for revenge. Yeah. It, it was It's a character change in season two, not for the better. Yeah. If we want to talk about character changes, yeah. right? So... Um, and, I mean, that could be explained by some kind of, you know, here's duality coming into play. There's two sides to her character. But she's such a minor uh, character yeah. that I don't think, I don't think they it, thought that through. No. I think she just became a villain yeah. for the sake of needing a villain. Yeah, they plotted it out and they're like, okay, we need a bad guy one on Jax yeah. now. It's Blackie. So, um, and you also have Emery, who is this, you know, low-level villain yeah. <laughs> in the in the ranks of this whatever organization, yeah, well, if you can call it that. It's not. But, um, yeah. And he's he's nervous. He doesn't want to yeah, get involved, be involved because in any of this. yeah, you know. So I had two notes about this scene. One is this a common fear of people in the nineties that like they would force people to get addicted to drugs? Yeah, totally. Because that's okay. Don't first you of remember all, Nancy Reagan? Just say no. Yeah. Okay. No. Sure. Partnership for a drug-free America. Yeah. No. I absolutely do. I know drugs are the most evil thing in the world in nineteen eighties and nineties. Drugs. 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 Which, which are good. Which, which are, are bad. bad. Okay. We know that. <laughs> But anyways, because um, who the hell's gonna waste like you know a couple hundred dollars worth of heroin on this on this person when you could just tie her up? Like, why do you need to drug her? It serves no purpose. Well, yeah, it was just <laughs> I think I don't know. And no, it's just it's just it, this is it a, adds a, a layer of something well, to it. I can't. Well, I don't know because there's I remember okay we should way back now mm-hmm. 1997. Mm-hmm. I'm in grade seven. Yeah. I'm watching Days of Our Lives every day wow. over the summer. Really? And Billy of Billy Hope and uh, that other guy. What was his name? I don't know. I didn't okay. watch Days. Well, anyways, they have a little love triangle too, and Billy gets forced to be addicted to drugs by the bad guys. I don't even know who they were at this point. And at the same, I was thinking like, oh, there's that's so bad. But I'm like, what? who the fuck's gonna do that? Who's gonna waste money just to get someone addicted? Well, think think it through. What what's the end game? Right? They want to get money from. Ben yeah. Horn, right? Yeah. So if they make it look bad at the beginning, because they're tape, they're videotaping. Audrey, yeah, okay. Because they want to send the ransom tape to you just have Audrey. her tied up, with sure. a gag in her mouth, and the effect is going to be the same. Right. Oh but, no, she's getting high for a little yeah, while. But, like but how terrible. Fact, <laughs> yes, but because maybe there's something, and and it's hinted at that that Ben Horn, against Blackie's will, got her addicted to heroin. I don't. So, I don't see that. So it's what evidence Blackie, is that? She says so. When? Ju- in this scene. Oh, okay. I missed that. <laughs> she says that just like her daddy did to me. Oh. So then if if she's um. trying to exact some kind of, you know, poetic Greek tragedy type, you know, parallel here. Yeah. That would make sense. It I doesn't guess. it doesn't serve maybe it's minor chump change, you know. 
Oh, yeah, I, no, for I sure. don't know. Yeah. She was begging for heroin a few episodes ago, so maybe she doesn't have a lot lying around. So where is she getting the heroin from? I don't well, know. Yeah. It, but it doesn't matter. The fact is yeah. that, that <laughs> Audrey's riding the white tiger, yeah. and um, they're making this ransom video to send her, her to her dad. Yeah. And Emery doesn't want to participate. Yeah. That's the main point. Yes, but, it is. Yeah. Now, this is also where I made a note of this is the first episode that I found so far really hasn't been very interesting to watch visually. <laughs> yeah, okay. And uh, But as soon as I said that, it started getting a little better. Like, even in this scene, it ends with um, Blackie um, on one side and then uh, the video of Audrey, you know, mm-hmm. getting high on the other one. And then in the middle, there's, like, this very, you know... Uh, vagina looking shade right. lampshade you notice that in the middle yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's yeah. kind of like they're the two legs of the women literally and there's mm. a vagina in the middle it's kind of it's a it's a weird stretch but it is a it's an interesting little visual sure uh piece there um and there's a couple more throughout the the rest of the episode um that come up um later on so i mean but the the fact that i noted it yeah like i went through this far in the episode and i thought there really hasn't been an well, interesting really, yeah, shot. There, there like, isn't anything that really sticks out in terms of the visuals. No. Maybe the opening scene with uh, with Ronette. Yeah, this circular spin. But, that but that's was, really it. Yeah. There's not a whole there lot. There hasn't been to, a whole lot of other stuff. And it's yeah. kind of sad because this is, you know, a sign of what's to come, which is that it gets shot very similar to every other TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, loses that. Yeah, loses the, the David Lynch it, touch. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was really inspiring. At the start. Um, did you have anything else about the scene? I did not. Okay. So we go next back to uh, Twin Peaks Sheriff Station. Yes. And Philip Gerard is there selling, trying to sell some shoes. Yes, to, he is. Very expensive um, shoes and dress shoes and marching shoes yes. and work boots. And none of them are in Sheriff Truman's probably Prior, meager budget. Yeah, exactly. Provided for him by the state of Washington. But it is a cute little scene. They're, it is, They're having yeah. their little... He's he's doing his best. Because remember, it's, yeah. it's been a few episodes since he came in looking for Sheriff Truman. And, yeah, it was, and I think it was the first episode of this season. Yeah. so it's only two episodes ago. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's finally got him in for his meeting, and um, as they're going through the different samples that that uh, Gerard has brought, he stumbles across the same poster for Bob that Leland saw that Andy was taping up at the Double R in the last episode. Yeah, and he has some sort of reaction. Yeah, he kind of looks faint, and he's maybe sweating a little bit, mm-hmm. and. Sheriff Truman notices right away that he's breathing heavily, heavily, offers him some water, and and Gerard says, no, I've got medication. Can you just point me to the bathroom? So he goes and and finds the washroom. That's off there, yeah. um, That's... That's where we leave it for now. Yeah. We do come back to him right away, though. Um, So in between, we get Shelly. Yeah, so they go to Truman's Truman's office. office. So Truman goes to see her. Uh, Cooper's already with her, and they're there to finally conduct the interview that perhaps they should have done in the hospital Yes. But now, conveniently, has allowed her time to speak to Bobby about yeah. this insurance fraud thing. Yeah. And I thought this was, this was really cute, and it, it kind of underscores how young Shelly is. And yeah. I, when I first watched this, I didn't really know how old she was, because they never come out and no. explicitly stated. But I thought she works at the diner. She's a, I figured, you know, she's more contemporaneous with, um, with uh, Norma than she is with the high school kids. But in this scene... She's such a kid. She's She's such a kid. She has no idea what's going on, even. Her line is, "I'm not going to incriminate my husband. I don't have to say anything against my husband. I love my husband. I don't have to tell you anything." And she keeps using the word interrogation. Yeah. And Sheriff Truman's like, "I'm. We're we're just here. Yeah. We're just taking a statement. You don't have to testify against him. This is literally just. We're just going to talk about what happened." And then Cooper turns it around. Yes. Because and he's like, "Okay, thanks, Shelley. You you know what." 
with a couple of years of great medical treatment, Leo's going to be right back to where he was. You'll right have your husband side. back. Yeah. And ushers her out of the room, and she's just like, what? Yeah, she has this great what at the end. Yeah. It's hilarious. Um, um, but it's very innocent, like confused Yeah, a little child. girl kind of thing. And it, it's also kind of funny that they don't know about Bobby at all at this point. Right. Because um, it's, so, it's been so clear to the well, the audience has known since the first... So basically, the first scene you see the two of them together. That they're, they're together. together. And yeah, yeah, you realize, oh yeah, they don't know about Bobby yet. Like, that's, right? It's kind of bad police work. It would have been. Like. It would have been good if if Cooper had picked up on that. But he hasn't seen Bobby a lot with Shelley either. So yeah. But anyway, he he figures that Shelley wasn't the one to come up with. He he suspects insurance, uh, uh, some kind of insurance scam. Yeah. Is in the works, but he knows that Shelley isn't the one who dreamed it up. So she's working with someone, but they don't know who. Yeah. So um, is that going to be an art avenue they're going to explore? No. It, it it seems like it might be, but they don't, actually. No, they never, they never follow it up. <laughs> it never comes up again. Yeah, they kind of uh, just leave Leo and yeah. that whole plot line yeah. after this. So bad writing, or...? I think a little bit. Well, maybe not in this episode, but the fact that, yeah, they don't they never pick it up again, and they never yeah. bring Leo and Bobby and Shelley back. To be back. fair, I mean, when you've got this many writers working on these episodes, I mean, the next episode has four writers. I mean, when you've oh, got wow. that many people working on yeah. and not the same consistency from week to week in every case, yeah. you know, threads are going to get dropped. If it was just David Lynch dropping threads, he would remember and pick them up later and maybe run with them. Or, yeah. Or not. Or not, but, but it, it would be, be so okay, ominous. You'd be right? like, okay, I don't know what's happening. But now, <laughs> when the threads are dropped and not picked up again, it just seems lazy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I don't know. It's it's partly because of the fact that there were just so many people now well, working and, and on it. Mark Frost was going to go off and do his movie. He was already in the works for this. David Lynch has gone already and done, done Wild at Heart. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a whole... Like, the, the wheels are starting to come off here a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Not not so much this episode. It's still got... I mean, the, the Laura plotline is going, yeah, quite well. But um, So, speaking of the Laura plotline, you go back to Philip Gerard in the bathroom. And yes. He's trying to inject himself with uh, some drugs of some sort. But there's some... It, it's not even... There's music, but then there's also this, uh, like, double-tracked voice that he has. Yes. That's really creepy. Yeah. So, it, it hints But it's that only once he becomes... Mike, yes. basically. So what happens is he, he's trying to inject himself and he fails. He drops the needle and he thrashes around a bit. And this is all shot really coolly. Uh, yeah, from uh, like above a, the, the bathroom the stall. The bathroom stall. And then the camera panics, comes down to uh, floor level and then the door opens and Philip Dreyer comes out, but he's different. He has this double-tracked voice yeah. and he's saying, Bob, I'm going to come find you. I know where you are. Yeah, he says, I'm after you now. Yeah. And so, you know. But it's in that voice and his mannerisms have changed. He's yes. no longer yeah. like meek and mild. He's, no, he's, he's much darker. Yeah. So there's a, a, a definite shift in his character. Yeah, and I, I thought that was... That is probably the most interesting part of yeah, this episode. this whole just, episode is... Well, one of the most interesting. Yeah. But it... it it's mysterious, I yeah. think, is what exactly. What's it's going a really on there. Un, it's a really big unknown, but it really pushes the the Laura murder. Like it, the mm-hmm. the Bob and Mike plotline is now front and center in terms yeah. of finding Bob, really, which fits in with the the expanding mythology that they've been working on. So, yeah. so yeah, there are there are elements of the show that have still kept are still being retained. Yeah, in that same vein, but yeah. Um, so yes, we go to the the Great Northern and. Suddenly, Cooper is there at the Great Northern. Yep. It's so funny because, like, all these things happen and they, these characters just bounce around. But when you actually look at the map plotted out on, on you know, it's not like you could just, it's not across the street, yeah, you know? Yeah. Why are they, they're drive, going yeah. everywhere, all over the place. But 
uh, Cooper's there, and, and he wants to find out if uh, Ben has heard from Audrey. Mm-hmm. And Ben doesn't really seem all that concerned, except insofar as he's worried about Cooper's involvement or yeah. interest in his daughter. Mr. Cooper, do I detect a note of uh, something outside the scope of professional concern here? Audrey and I have struck up an acquaintance. Acquaintance? Agent Cooper. Let me give you the best advice that you're going to get all week. Men fall under the spell of Audrey's charms like ducks in a shooting gallery. And if you don't want a load of buckshot in your tail feathers, may I suggest that you park your jalopy outside of somebody else's window? Mr. Horn, if I've overstepped my bounds with my concern, I apologize. I am here with only the best intentions. (laughs) That is achingly clear and not unappreciated. I'll put a lamp in the window. You'll be my first call when she comes home to roost. Thank you. No. Thank you. It's interesting because in in anybody else's... Uh, hands that would have come off as fatherly concern, or yeah, you know, or you know, stay away from my daughter. Yeah. But in this in this sense, it's like it's almost like stay away from your daughter. It's for your own good, but I also still don't like you. Yeah, you know, so it is. Yeah, he, I mean, that's what he almost has as much contempt for Cooper. Yeah, as he has for his daughter. Yeah, as he as he has for Audrey, yeah. which is interesting to me. Yeah, and, and there's, there's that great uh, duck hunting metaphor yes. that he uses throughout. Yes, that's that. Exchange, it's really great. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, I think Ben is still one of those characters that, and the actor, especially, what's his name again? Richard Beamer. Richard Beamer. 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 Uh, he's really great, and he can he can turn that on. Oh yeah. At any time, and he he plays Ben so perfectly. He he gives him that depth that, and again, a lot of the other characters are missing at times. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So there, from there, we go back to one eye Jack. Oh, but we do get a shot of this Asian man following Cooper again through yeah. the through the Great Northern. Yes. Which is suspicious, but suspicious, has but we still don't no, know what. Yeah, so yeah. what's going on there? We still don't know. Uh, yeah, but then we go back up to One Eye Jacks and we meet Jean Renault. Jean Renault, the eldest Renault brother. How yeah. many Renaults are there? I mean, I know French Canadian families have tons That's of kids, right. yeah. but so at geez. least three. You don't want to meet the criminals? sisters. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So. So uh, he introduces himself. I yes, guess, he introduces to, himself to Audrey um, via English caramels. Which is that a thing? I, I, I really know. I know so little about it. about heroin. <laughs> yeah, um, opioid addiction. Yeah, I but don't know. is is sweets? Are those a, is I that guess, a thing maybe. that you need? I don't know. But, but anyways, anyway. yeah. So he introduces himself, plays around with Audrey a bit. Yeah, I guess. And then uh, him, Blackie, and Emery. Yeah, kind of hash realize, out what's gonna happen. Well, because they realize that Cooper has been up to one eye Jacks mm-hmm. and that he's an FBI agent, and Renault knows that Cooper's the one who had. Um, well, Bernard and Jacques have both been killed in Twin Peaks because of things that happened with Agent Cooper and his investigation. Mm-hmm. So Renault blames him for it. Um, so he wants to exact revenge. He wants Cooper. Yeah. So their plan is to send this video to Ben to get him to pay money so that Blackie can buy One-Eyed Jacks. And then... And Cooper will deliver it so Cooper that they can so kill Cooper. They can kill Cooper. But they also make hints that Audrey's not going to survive long enough to be brought back mm-hmm. to her dad anyway that, because she knows that Emery is yeah. involved and can tell her dad everything yeah. and, and so they she's a loose end now. They're yeah. going to have to take care of that. Yeah. 
which again, yeah, kind of goes towards your plot 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 problem that you had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why don't they just? Yeah. Yeah. Why Why are they injecting her with heroin yeah. if they're going to kill, kill her anyway? Anyways, but yeah, it doesn't make much sense. You also get uh, Blackie's sisters in this, yes, so she's right. John's paramour. Nancy. 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 I think her name? name is. Okay. She's kind of a forgettable character, too. Yeah. Um, and it's weird, because they set up as, like, this juxtaposition to Blackie, but... Well, there's, like, a love triangle again there, yeah, almost, between the three of them. It's pretty but. weak, though. Yeah, so you get that. Um, then we go back to the... Yeah, sheriff station. Sheriff station. And uh, Harry has gotten a phone call. He finds out Josie's coming back to town, and he makes a request of Cooper that... Cooper, again, who's back from the Great Northern. Yeah. Very quick. Very quick. Maybe they've figured out how to teleport anyway through the lodges yeah <laughs> well no i was thinking star trek but, okay well that yeah. works too um uh he wants to talk to josie first because um she disappeared right after the mill fire and there's all sorts of questions yeah about, about her involvement everything. and everything yeah. but he wants to talk to her first it's unorthodox cooper pushes back a little, little bit. bit he says we can't let our personal feelings get involved with our work which haha very funny cooper because yeah. that's all he's been doing yeah but uh well not all he's been doing no. but his personal feelings definitely yeah are in yeah. there. yeah and uh but then he says no i give you my blessing and you and, should go bring her in my question is her. why why would he give in to cooper, truman i mean i know he trusts truman but truman's obviously doing something really bad here like yeah the fact that he has really to bad, ask but... to to talk to her first i mean I guess he's done that much. It's not like he's gone behind Cooper's back to talk to Josie right. first. He could have just not told them about the call and gone to see Josie. So I guess Cooper's thinking, okay, maybe, you know, as long as I can keep him on board, I'll let him well, do Well, and it, it does seem strange because he was suspicious of Josie only a few episodes ago. Towards the end of season one, he had that talk with Truman at the Great Northern about how, like, how much do you know about her yeah. and everything. So, I mean... There's some sense that he doesn't trust her completely, but at the same time, yeah, I, I'm not sure. It, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's just kind of like. And I don't remember. It's it's the next episode where he goes to talk to her. Though, I, I think, think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, we can find out. Um, so, so then also yeah. though, uh, they figure out that the one man. Well, one Hawk, man was Hawk, like, comes Hawk comes back in, from yeah. from Pearl Lakes and yeah. explains that nobody lives in that house. He's really he tells them nothing of interest. Yeah. But they're pulling the the phone records and gas and utility information yeah. for the the abandoned house that Leland said was there and that was actually there. Um, but uh, then, then they talk yeah. about the the one armed man. How does that come up? I don't remember. Oh, uh, oh no! Does Hawk ask about him? Oh no no! Truman asks if Hawk has seen. The, yeah, right. The one armed man, Philip Gerard, and he says, "Oh, he right. was here." And then Cooper says. Something about how the one-armed man was in my dream. That he's connected to the, to Bob, to yeah. Bob and, and then he, so, so he, he's like, oh, he was he here. Was in the bathroom. He went to the and bathroom. He never came back. So, so they, they go into the, the bathroom, bathroom and they find the the syringe that he was trying to use. Right. And they say we've got to find. Well, yeah, it's the Cooper. Man. Cooper repeats his his. Um, yeah, without chemicals. The clue from yeah. the giant that without chemicals he points yeah. as he picks up this chemical-filled syringe, um, with gloves on. Proper precautions. Yes, finally. Good job, Cooper. It's good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but then they have to find the one-armed man now. Yeah, so that that pushes that, and again, like I think I said this in the first episode of the season, it's like the, these visions were just going to be the way that they kept pointing the yeah. the murder of Laura Palmer, and it seems like here they're they really they reached the third clue on the third episode. It's like yeah. okay, they're going to maybe one or two more, and then they'll have another vision and yeah. keep going. Yeah, um, but that's not how it works. <laughs> I um, yeah, so 
We go to the hospital. Yes. Calhoun Memorial. And we get Nadine, who has broken through the, I guess, the restraints that are... The standard restraints, Standard when you've yeah. committed, attempted to commit suicide. Yeah. I'm not sure. But anyway, she's being put into restraints. Because Doc Cabert says she's pumping out more adrenaline than blah, blah, blah. Yeah, she's too much adrenaline flowing through her. So she's... Super um, strong. But she's kind of, I guess, comatose? So kind of, yeah, she's out of it, but she's very active and out of it. Um, so then... He tells... Doc Hayward yeah. tells Ed, Ed to sing her a song, so he sings on top of Old Smokey, which yeah. is really sweet. It he is sits sweet. on the edge of the yeah. bed and holds her hand. And, and again, the love theme is playing. It's, yeah. It's nice, yeah. But then... Uh, she, she comes out of it by ripping off this super strong Well, she's restraints. squeezing his hand, too, yeah, and Ed is just in pain. You can just see it on his face. Yeah. And then she breaks she out of her she starts repeating this, like... High school cheerleading, cheerleading song, and she's clapping, and yeah. it's like, like just the thought of music kind of uh-huh. incited this in her, and that's actually a, a theme for the series. So, sure, yeah, you know, it's not not surprising for music to play a powerful role here. Um, and then the big reveal is that well, she says what she says is that did um, you come pick me up, Eddie? Yeah, because she she's in for for tonsillectomy or something. Yeah. She has tonsillitis. She's Doc Hayward says I something about her tonsillitis, but I'm gonna make cheer, cheerleading tryouts and. You're only 18 once. once. Yeah. And and it's just the look of horror on Ed's face as he realizes that his wife, his 38-year-old wife, now has regressed 20 years yeah. and believes she's, she's an 18-year-old high school, school senior. This now, so, this is, for me, uh, this was the scene where I said, really? And that was the first time I said it. I mean, I love this plot line because Nadine's funny mm-hmm. and she goes back to high school. Like, that's the gag for the next couple episodes. And it's great. Um but I mean, really? You, like, you, you have someone come out of a coma, and all of a sudden they're back to high school because you want to go send them back to high school. Like, she has, she's lost all connection to Ed. In the coming episodes, you find out she doesn't even know she's married to him, and all this stuff. So it's just kind of a convenient way to sidestep their whole relationship and kickstart the Ed and uh, Norma one again. To me, this is like one of the worst. This is the this is the start of the series decline. Is this? exact plot line because it just it's totally unnecessary it's a convenient way out it has nothing to do with any of their characters it's basically rewriting nadine's character yeah because you're like well i don't know where to take her from here and she has mental illness so well, yeah it, we'll just it, like it it infantilizes her and yeah. it takes it to such a ridiculous place that it undermines what could have been done it's it's the first instance where you look at a character and you go there was so much potential to explore really important serious things which Maybe this wasn't the show for that, but but well, it could have yeah. done more anyway yeah. to highlight, you know, her her recovery from wherever it was that she felt so low she had to end her life, right? Mm-hmm. But instead, they make her they they turn it into a literal soap opera storyline. Like I have seen this play out yeah. in every, you know, there's evil twins and there's <laughs> back from the dead and there's regressions and they're you know it's it's yeah. it's crazy and yeah and, it just it doesn't doesn't fit and i i don't like the storyline no. i don't i don't think i mean you said you do because nadine's funny well nadine's yeah it's like it's a fish out of water scenario like it's kind of funny but and she you know the relationship she forms are kind of sure funny. But, but i just see it's 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 it is. not it's necessarily not. it's filler it's it the is. first of the filler yeah well i mean lines. dick is maybe Slightly earlier, but even, but then, even then, there's some connection to a character that, yeah, like, and a storyline that exists going on. before. This is something that's it's yeah. on a tangent, totally separate from anything yeah. else that was going on, and it doesn't really fit. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, we stay in the, the hospital, hospital yeah. yes, and we go see Dr. Jacoby, right. whose room is decorated. This is a really visually nice little scene is. here. Is, uh, he's arranged it in all his Hawaiian decor. He's even got his own his own sheets for the hospital yeah. bed. <laughs> it's great. And his wife is there with him, who, of course, is a Hawaiian, Hawaiian lady yeah. um, uh, who stays in their house in where? Uh, I don't remember which bay it was. Honolulu Bay, I think. Honolulu Bay, yeah. It was... And she's just there. She's mute. It's kind of stupid, but, you know, whatever. Uh, and so uh, Cooper and Truman are there to hypnotize him and try and get him to remember the details right. of what happened the night uh, Jacques Renault was murdered. Um, Did you catch that uh, the the parallels between this and the rock throwing scene? Yes, I did. Yes. Which is the third yes. episode of the first season. Of the first season, yeah. The third episode of the second season. Yeah. You've got... You know, Jacoby kind of directing the scene. He's yeah. got his own script yeah, prompts. Yeah. With the the rock that he gives Sheriff Truman to hold, he's like, hold it up. Oh uh, yeah, that, he's like a little higher. Yeah, oh, perfect. And his his wife is also holding, holding two rocks. A of stones. Yeah, just for no There's, purpose. There's uh, ocean waves playing in the background. Yeah. It's like it's a very particular Inversion set of of, yeah. of circumstances that are necessary to bring about this his mental, internal yes. yeah mental yeah. state that will allow him to express a deeper truth yeah. about. A case that they're working yeah. on. No, so it's that, exactly yeah. the same as Agent Cooper yeah. needing these things to be the way they are. And, in order and to again, break. it's Cooper's response like, "What? This is yeah, stupid." Like, kind whereas, of. and and know. every time, so he's reading this script that that because Jacoby has been put under a couple of times he by says. himself. Yeah, yeah. So this is the script that he uses, and it's about golfing. Golfing, which is great. He's, uh, <laughs> he's like obviously a golfer. Yeah, and it's all about visualizing, you know, the, the putting the last green hole and. and yeah ball and the hole and the sand traps and a pond yeah. and the summer breeze and and every once in a while Cooper will will look up at Truman, Truman and like he's, can you he's believe this shit but yeah. then yeah also Truman falling asleep at the end of the bed well we'll see so, how he hypnotize himself again yeah. yeah it's it's a little more subtle than it's been in the past but it's clear that that agent Cooper just can't stand to be out weirded yeah by these people not that he thinks it's weird he thinks that this is I think I think Cooper believes that what he does is real and what everybody else does is bullshit. Yeah. I think that's what it I, is. I think that's what it I is. I don't yeah. think he thinks what he's doing is weird. I think he recognizes other people might think it's weird. But, but I don't think he thinks what he's doing no, is weird. No, but he thinks other people's what shit other is people, weird. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. Especially when they reach to these yeah. mystical places. So so, so two things kind of come out of the uh, um, Leland's, or not Leland, sorry, uh, Dr. Jacoby's. Uh, uh, hypnosis session session sorry uh first you get connection to the engine oil so he says yeah i smelled yeah. engine oil in the in the room and i also he smelled smelled it, it in the park in the park which is where he was attacked so right. i think that does connect leland yeah. to the attack i'm in the pretty park. sure we can say with, yeah. with certainty that it was leland i think we just missed him. that in the first couple yeah. times we watched um and then also then they push him further and they find and they find out who was there and who killed but they cut away from it they right cut away then, from it this which is, is another again scene. Yeah. another frustrating like I Any other see. episode, they would they would admit it was there, and then you'd have the characters grappling with how to deal with this, right? Yeah. But instead, we just jump right to well, we cut away. He yeah. says, "I know this man," yeah, which is very similar to what Leland said about Bob earlier. Yes, yeah. So it makes you, it draws a connection yeah. there between Leland's recognition of Bob and Jacoby's recognition, recognition of Leland. Leland. Yeah. Well, I mean, but which, the thing is, the audience already knows knows it was Leland, yes. so. It's, it's not necessary it's, for them to do that. No, but it is useful as a character development tool, right? You get to see Jacoby and Cooper's yes. and Truman's reaction because the next time you see them is when they're arresting Leland. Yeah. And they're just kind of, they've already dealt with it. They're, yeah. they're very professional and yeah. they're, they're okay. Um, but that's but, where the interesting yeah. part would have been yeah. is now, like, now they have like, to oh my God, arrest this elder statesman. Yeah. 
right? Who, who's a victim himself. Yes, his daughter, daughter was just, was just murdered. Yeah. So how do, how, do, how do we arrest a man for exacting retribution for the murder of his, his yeah. only child? Like so that's the interesting part. That would have been the interesting part. They've and lost they glossed it. over it. Yeah. So it's kind of sad. It is sad. Um, so then we get another, the monologue. Um, yes. Is in Dawn Laura's. Is, yeah, Don has gone to visit Laura's grave to bring the flower from yeah. Harold, and she talks about how Harold's a little weird. And well, yeah, she gives the whole speech, and I just found the speech. It wasn't very good. It wasn't very well written. It's a lot of jumping around, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's not even like why is she why is she giving it? There's no real kind of overwhelming uh, urge for her, except for at the end. As much as I love you, Laura. Most of the time, we were trying to solve your problems. And you know what? We still are. Not mine or Jane's or Maddie's, yours. You're dead, Laura, but your problems keep hanging around. It's almost like they didn't bury you deep enough. And I thought that was interesting because especially in Fire Walk With Me, I think Donna's character is actually really well done in Fire Walk With Me because she is trying to, like, A, keep up with Laura's wild side and also... Um, help Laura come out of her wild side almost at the same time. Right. Um, and sorry, this isn't related directly to the episode, but um, it does kind of come out here too that Donna was like, she was always trying to help Laura, and here she's still t- stuck trying to help Laura, even though Laura's dead. And I thought that was interesting. Um, but the rest of the speech is just kind of a, a wandering thing about James and, and Maddie. Well, and... I would argue that it's, it is a little stream of consciousness. It's, yeah, but it's, it's not... a teenage girl trying to work through her emotions, and her emotions at that sure. point are all dealing with James. James. Yeah. So that's going to be her entry point. And James is the one thing that she had in common with Laura mm-hmm. um, most directly. So I, I, I buy that. I think uh, that's fine. Having been a teenage girl, I buy sure, it. Sure, yeah. I just didn't <laughs> I just didn't find it well written, really. Like, no, just it's the individual, not. It's, like, it's... the phrases and everything that were used just didn't, and it didn't flow well for me. Like, it didn't feel like a stream of consciousness. It felt like she had, like, here's this line, and then here's well, this line, and yeah. they're not really connected. Like, right. so there was a lot of that, but. But I, I did, I did like the end. I thought that was the truest part, when she says um, that your problems just keep hanging around, yeah. and we're still dealing with your problems. Like, that felt to me like. It's legitimate because yeah. they are still dealing with yeah. her problems. She's been dead for almost two weeks now, and yeah. and they're still and it, figuring things out that had to do with her. Yeah, and it kind of reminded me of uh, Bobby's speech at her funeral, right? Where he's kind of the truth teller mm-hmm. in that case, and, and here uh, Donna is. You know, she's saying the truth, like, okay, you you're dead, and you don't have to worry about any of this anymore. But the rest of us are. Yeah. Um, it's very reminiscent of of the way Bobby kind of came down to the crux of the matter that everybody knew Laura yeah. was in pro- had problems, but um, nobody was doing anything about them, and now Donna's still not doing anything about them or trying to, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she obviously, she goes back to the Palmer's house to see Maddie, Well, presumably. first of all, yeah. But... but James is James there, has also gone to Maddie's, and, and he's, he's... complaining about his mom has come back. Yeah. And he's very upset, and... She's he's crying or something. Maddie says, James, no. And it's terrible. <laughs> it's just a oh, yeah, th- their exchange is so bad. It's pretty bad that it's it's just an excuse for them to get close and kiss and yeah. then have Donna walk in on them. Yeah, and it's just this whole thing is it's just very bad. contrived. It's Although very contrived. It is, like I was laughing through the scene, especially yeah. at the end, because Donna rushes out because she's so upset at James, and then James knocks over a lamp. And, and then, then Leland walks Leland in walks and in just like, like what? what the hell? What's going on? Why are you guys wrecking my house? Like, and <laughs> this then, is not even your house, yeah, James. Yeah. What the hell? 
And then, uh, you know, James follows her out and screams, screams like, why? Or, yeah, know, why? Right? It's is it why? Reason, oh, yeah. Geez. It's like, it's so, it's so maudlin. It's just it so is. over the top that and, I can't. And Donna's motivations are just like, this whole thing is contrived to get to the end of the, this, of the episode, which we'll right. get to right away. But first we come back in the house and, and Maddie is obviously distraught. And I do feel bad for Maddie. Yeah, she's the one yeah. that I feel worse for because she's stuck in the middle and she expresses it here really well. She's like, yeah. all I did was come to a funeral. Like, I fell into a dream. It's like people think I'm Laura. And I'm not. I'm nothing like Laura. So hard, I know. I know, sweetheart. I know. And all I know is that Laura was my cousin, and I loved her, and she died. I don't know anything else. You just want life to be the way it was before. <laughs> yeah. So do I. We all do. And try as we might, it just won't cooperate, will it? <laughs> it seems like a really real, it comes from a really real place. Like she's confiding in her uncle that mm-hmm. that life, life is just too confusing right now. I don't know what to do or why people are treating me this way you know life was simple before and they have they have a nice little moment and and it's believable Mm -hmm. this is family that cares about each other and 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 it's broken completely when sheriff truman and and agent cooper walk in because the door's been left open because james burst Burst out out, into the street and fucking ruined everything as usual. Um, but they're, they're there to arrest, arrest him for the murder of Jacques, Jacques Renault. But again here, you don't get his reaction. You don't get anybody's reaction. It just kind of cuts away. Yeah, it does. And it's, it's again, kind of... It, the know. most interesting part is always yeah, off camera. Yeah, not shown. Which sometimes works, but when it's every time, yeah, you're just I mean, like, unless, it feels like a cop-out. Yeah. Like, unless it's... I guess you could probably do it in, like, an artful way so that... That it's very clear that you're cutting away. Like you, mm-hmm. you start the thing and then you cut it right, right, right. mid mid uh, reaction or something like right. that. That could, I don't know, be a useful technique. But yeah. they're not using any of that here. It's no, just, it's just literally we're gonna happens. move to the next scene. Yeah. Smash yeah. cut to yeah, Donna. Yeah. Running to Harold's late at night. Which is so weird. This is so weird. She's literally just talked to him. She just met the guy. And she, he weirded her he out. He weirded her out. So weirded let's me go out, see sure. him at late at night. And when I'm distraught and I have nowhere else to go. Yeah, and then the first thing, one of the first things he says is like he repeats a, a saying that Laura used to say. Yes. Like, how does that not freak someone out? I know. She's, she even says, "How did you know? How that? did you know that?" But she says it all joking, like, "Oh, how did you yeah. know that?" Not you're a fucking creep. Like, how the hell do you know that? Know. Slap and run Stranger away. Stranger no. danger, yes. Donna. Jeez. This is, but this is where I, I, I have so little empathy or sympathy or any sort of feeling aside from anger with her at this point yeah. because her character has just gone so far off the yeah. rails in such a short period of time yeah. that now well, this I'm, episode I'm is, not buying like I could so maybe buy it if if something really traumatic had happened to her and she wasn't thinking straight yeah. but I don't buy it that seeing Maddie kiss James is enough to make her disregard everything and not I don't know talk to her mom or talk to her sister yeah. or talk to Anybody else? Her dad? Anybody? Yeah, like, she's got a fairly good extended family. Oh, go back to Mike. 
No, don't do that. No, That's maybe not. Idea. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it doesn't it doesn't fit. And it's literally no. just a reason to get her back into his house. So she can so peek she can through her stuff and find the secret diary. Laura's Laura secret Palmer. diary. Which yeah. I found out um today I was reading about this episode and uh this was I think maybe a few weeks before this episode aired was when The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer was released oh, as a book. Oh, okay. So I guess kind of a product tie-in, tie-in yeah. but not really because none of the none of the entries that are read on the show from Laura's Diary are from The Secret oh, Diary. Oh, from the book. Oh, okay. uh, so it's so not, yeah, it's yeah. not like a direct tie-in, yeah. but but so, I'm sure it was something to Yeah, I would have released it two, day, like two days afterwards. Or yeah. something and be like, yeah, you want to know all the things that are in there? Here you Here, go. Here, buy $25.50. Like, yeah. you know. so, in $19.90. Yeah, yeah and this, 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 yeah, this, this whole episode is contrived to get her there. But yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't, and I'm, I'm actually, I would have been okay with that. Even the fact that it was Maddie and James kissing, I think could have been done if Donna's whole arc through this episode was about how she, she didn't want... Um, Maddie to take James, but she kind of dances around it. And she's like, I think they might have something going on, and but she never comes out and says like how that would hurt her and how mm-hmm. that would damage her to think that she lost James to Laura again, right? You know, or something like that. Like yeah. to really develop that that sense of loss that she would get. Instead, you just get her like saying, Oh no, and she runs away in the middle of the night, like, and she runs to Harold Smith, like. Like yeah, it, it seems like, like the show can't really decide if it's going to be a soap opera yeah, in this episode, yeah. or if it's going to be a murder mystery, or if it's going to be a procedural cop drama. Yeah, or if it's just going to be a well-written drama show, which right, is or what comedy. Has, yeah. I mean, it's got it's all of these disparate elements have worked well together in previous episodes, and this is the first time where you really sit down and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm not feeling no, it. This isn't this isn't working for me. I mean, we'd love to hear from you if you disagree with us. Yeah. Because we know that there are people who really do love a lot of these season two episodes. We hope you'll tune in next time for the next episode, the title of which escapes me at the moment. But it'll be up next week. So we hope you'll tune in. Thanks. If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. Or you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Aiden Hales, that's A-I-D-A-N Hales, H-A-I-L-E-S, and Lindsay's at Linstam, L-I-N-Z-S-T-A-M. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you.